Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. It is Tuesday, June 4th, so about a week after the NBA draft deadline. Uh, So I said I was going to do a podcast after it. I'm keeping my word to that, and here we are. So I'm here to talk a little bit about, or this episode is going to be very much centered around the draft decisions of last week. Um, and the ramifications that it had on each team, and I'll kind of go through. I'll go through, you know, some of the team, you know, I guess some of your winners, losers per se of the process, um, because there was. I, I can't think of a of a crazy. Honestly, like the last two days of the deadline this past year were kind of the craziest that it had been. Because remember, this rule of you can go through the combine and then you can elect to come back has been in effect now. I think this was year four. First year it was in effect was 2015 or 2015-16 season. Um, and it didn't feel like then. Also, I didn't keep up with it quite as much as I do now. But then it just didn't feel like as many decisions were being made on the final day. Um, but now it feels like pretty much everyone is waiting to the last second or of the guys that are 50-50 like E.J. Montgomery, like Amir Coffey, like Jordan Wara, like Devin Dotson, Quentin Grimes, and we'll talk about all those guys, uh, of course, but waiting till the very last second to either announce they're staying in or, of course, withdraw. And it seems like each year that we've it, this rule's been intact – it's continued to get, to get crazy. I mean, I remember, I think two years ago, I think you had, obviously, Hamdou Diallo. He was, like, the last one to make a decision. That was the one that had everyone on pins and needles the whole night. Um, was big for Kentucky, obviously, at, the, at that point because they were, would, have, would have been very short on guards. You had, I think you had um, uh, Mo Wagner for Michigan. Um, was one of the guys that elected to withdraw. And I'm trying to think if there was – I know there was another one that I'm thinking of. It's not not clicking right now. Uh, and then, obviously, you had last year, you had P.J. Washington. Um, pretty much all the Kentucky guys waited to the last second. Um, trying to think if there was anyone on Duke. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like each year it gets – or you had Reed Travis and – it just seems like each year that there seems to be more and more. And now this year, I mean, it's too many to count. Um, it was like a, a whole – it was like 60 or 70 of them it felt like. It, it was a lot. So um, definitely with there's more NBA – there's more people that are more players that are going through the process and then more guys that are more on the fence. Like you'd think some of these guys would have pretty easy decisions and they end up uh, making – it ends up, you know, some of them, like E.J. Montgomery, ended up coming back. But, I mean, it was very close. Um, and then others who very well could have improved their stock have a lot very much, or, um, for example, Lewis King of Oregon um, <clears throat> elected to stay in the pro, or stay in the draft uh, and forego the rest of their eligibility. Um, th- definitely, you know, I, the conversation has kind of st- – there's been a conversation about, you know, the transfer epidemic and, and when I, I don't really believe in that, um, 
I think players should be able to go to what schools they want. I think the bigger problem for college basketball, um, as shown by this by this draft class, is guys jumping the gun to go to the to go pro as soon as possible. Um, and again, they should make the decisions that best best suits themselves. But even five years ago, you know. It wasn't quite this exaggerated as guys going pro. I mean, go th- just looking through some of the guys that stayed in the draft, in like Lindell Wigginton, for example, of Iowa State. And I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not picking him out because I think, oh, we made the worst, the worst decision ever. There's plenty of guys in here I disagree with their decisions, but Lind- Lindell Wigginton would have been, I think, a junior upcoming this upcoming year. Had been at Iowa State for two years. Remember, he was hurt beginning of last year. Came off the bench. Was pretty good, played pretty well last year, and then into through the process and stayed in. And but how? Linda, what is Linda Wigginton's draft stock after two years at Iowa State? Not even two full years, just two years. Not very high, right? Maybe he gets drafted late second round because the last fifteen picks is honestly who knows. But I mean, what more is there? I mean, what or? I mean, was there a guarantee? Maybe. Maybe he got a second-round guarantee. But when you're talking about a guy without not much of a stock coming in, and he elects to stay in the draft. I think it's also different than, like, for example, Shamori Pons of St. John's. guy that's been there, I think, three years. Um, has been a very very good a score producer for the Johnnies the last two years in a full-time role. Yeah, he's a, he's very much a volume shooter. A guy like that, I mean, only one year of eligibility left. What more is there to prove? He kind of is what he is, right? He's gonna he's gonna take a lot of shots. He's gonna you know score a lot of volume. Um, like that's what he does. That one I, I can understand that. Even though Shamori Pond's draft stock is not very high, I mean it's gonna be. I would guess maybe he gets drafted in the second round, but who knows? But I mean. For example, like trying to think or trying to look here at some of the guys. Um <clears throat> or like Ignis Bradsdagas. Now he did have a coaching change. I think that was a big part of that, having John Beeline leave. Um it's and Jordan Poole, for example, both of those two, if you want to throw them in. Now, again, they had a coaching change. But I think Poole, I believe, went through the process last year. So he, he it's not like this is the first rodeo for him. But, I mean, you're talking about two guys that were that showed, that showed flashes this year. But now, no Charles Matthews. So more, and, and they would be the go-to scores. I mean, Michigan's pretty short on, on wing and guard scoring with those two gone. Um, I mean, they go from a top 10 to 5 team to I don't even have them in the top 30 at this point. But regardless, just with those decisions, you know, Brett Zegas averaged, I think, 14 a game, pull 12 to 13. Both shot it inconsistently. Pull was very inconsistent, but he's kind of a streaky shooter. Could have benefited a lot from a junior year. And Bryce Dagan could have benefited a lot. I mean, had the potential to maybe get in the lottery with a big year at Michigan in a sophomore year. And both of them are essentially going to be playing for second, 
round choice in this upcoming draft. Nicholas Claxton for Georgia. Now, he might have gotten a first-round guarantee. That's different. But if he did not, because he's borderline. I mean, I think, I think the, the 20 to 40 range probably when Nick Claxton would get drafted. But if he came back to Georgia with all the talent they got around. Now, I mean, Anthony Edwards is going to command a lot of the ball. But, hypothetically speaking, you get Nicholas Claxton uh, you know, back. And with better talent than what he had this year, which means less defensive attention, which means he's going to be able to kind of showcase his skills one-on-one more and maybe do more and show off his versatility in, I believe it would be his junior year. I, I just think that when guys don't, when guys don't, that don't have much of a stock go out forego at least two years of college eligibility. Because after your junior year, I, I get it, right? You kind of – you developed into what you will be in college, and there's just not much mo- more else that you can do. You know, I completely understand that. And some guys, you know, like – I mean, P.J. Washington, right, made the decision to come back last year, went from a guy that would have been picked – I, I don't think that's even close. He da- absolutely would have been picked in the second round. Probably had guarantees in the second round, but he wanted a first-round guarantee. He didn't get that. He did not get that first-round guarantee. Came back, made himself a, a very well could be a lottery pick. Certainly a top-20 pick. I mean, that's – and then he goes pro. You know, I I, I think that's really just the, the talent drain on college basketball. I mean, Armani Brooks, for example, not, he may be an upperclassman. But, I mean, Houston could – but I didn't know who Armani Brooks was until the end of this past year. And then I started watching him. I mean, I, I watched him, obviously, in the, in the uh, final game in the AAC play against Cincinnati, and he tore it up. Watched him against Kentucky, hit six threes in the second half, I believe. So a guy that I didn't know about and that I assume most people had no idea who he was heading into last season, you know – made a big impact for a really good Houston team, and he he elects to go pro. I mean, that's the difference between Houston being a top 25, top 20 team to still a good team, but not ranked, not even close to being ranked. And what is Armani Brooks going to get at? Is he going to get picked? Probably not. Now, another big season uh, that proves he could shoot the ball, he could absolutely get picked. I, again, I, I don't know if he – I think he was a junior this past year. I don't know for sure. Um, so may- maybe that's part of it. Been there for three years, but I believe he was a transfer as well. So it's not. I don't think he's been at Houston all all three years. So I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of guys that will not get picked. <coughs> I mean, the, the UCLA guys, <coughs> Moses Brown. I think Moses Brown could have been awesome in year two. He showed flashes in year one. I thought at the beginning in November he looked like a one-and-done, but then he kind of cooled off. I mean, UCLA was obviously terrible this past year. Um, But, I mean, could have been awesome in year two under Mick Cronin. And he decides to go pro for what is almost certain to be, I mean, maybe again, maybe he gets picked at the end of the second round because you just never know, but probably not. Just like kids that get, you know, first-round guarantees almost certainly should go pro because you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, 
Daniel Gafford, for example. And again, respect. I mean, coming back in Miles Bridges as well, coming back to school because they enjoyed it. They wa- they wanted to be there. They wanted to tr- give it another go. But, I mean, Daniel Gafford went from a surefire top 20 pick last year to a borderline first rounder. Why? Well, because big men just aren't in the same band. And if you don't just put up ridiculous numbers in year two, well, there's just going to be other more intriguing prospects that come along. It's not that Daniel Gafford had a bad year. He didn't. He was very good. But, you, you, you know, in, you know. So I, it's very interesting some of these decisions um, and how how they could have, you know, how they altered the landscape of college basketball and, and some of these guys going pro when maybe they really didn't have a whole lot of business in going pro. But, I mean, obviously they make their decisions and whatnot. So, that, so that's, um, you know, uh, go from there. So I guess let's get into some of the big-time decisions. I guess, you know, Michigan State is my top-ranked team. Uh, so, I feel, you know, I, I've mentioned them before. Um, and, again, their big decision was Cassius Winston returning to school. That's honestly the only decision that really mattered. They lost Nick Ward. We talked about that. But they have um, they have some front-court depth. Xavier Tillman's back. They get year two of Marcus Bingham, who is a very high, high upside power forward. But getting Cassius Winston back... Uh, I believe it was uh, April 19th is when he elected to <coughs> to not declare for the draft. And he returned to school. And, uh, again, I, I think Michigan State right now is your clear-cut number one. Um, just with the talent, experience. I mean, you have a, you're, you're returning a team that has Final Four experience, a, a lot of those guys, um, a lot of youth um that has a chance to get better with Aaron Henry, like I said, Bingham. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's a really well-rounded team. You get Josh Laneford back for his senior year. Um, it, you know, I, I think the Spartans are clear-cut number one. But they didn't really have any big-time decisions at the deadline. Now, Kentucky did. So you had – who is my number two team? I kinda, I'll kind i go kind of down the line because most of the teams had in the that I ranked in the top ten or so had – pretty big decisions um so EJ Montgomery and Nick Rich Nick Richards or de- er, just elected to come back to school um a day pr- prior to the deadline uh, this was not a huge surprise um uh no one I don't think really around Kentucky really thought that they were gonna lose Nick Richards and they didn't and um yeah, I think it was more just going through the process. He didn't, um, he didn't even go through the process last year, which I thought was kind of surprising. Because I mean, you're talking about a guy that actually came into his freshman year a projected first round pick on most draft boards. Um, obviously, it didn't pan out, but he didn't even go through the process last year. Immediately came back this year, went through the process. My guess is is that this is kind of like Nick Richards' last little hurrah. Now, maybe he likes Kentucky, maybe he likes the school, and, and maybe he wants to get his degree, and maybe he's back for a, a senior year. But I think if he makes a big jump, like he is capable of, for sure, in year three, again, a guy that did not forego two years of college eligibility, you know, when he still had something to prove, comes back and can make a real name for himself. And, I mean, right now I have, pen- I have him penciled in as a starter. Now Kentucky, will, you know, we'll talk a little recruiting later and some – 
and some transfer stuff. Uh, and I'll talk about Kerry Blackshear a little bit more. But Kentucky could add Kerry Blackshear. He would then for sure be the starter. But as of right now, the way the roster is set, and, and Blackshear is no sure thing for any school at this point, um, Nick Richards is my, my starter at center for Kentucky. And he, you know, I think it's a prime opportunity. I think it's it was a smart decision. Got got the feedback, knows what he needs to do. Has obviously shown flashes of brilliance, of you know, Super talented. I mean, talk, talking about the top-ranked center in the class of 2017. You know, I think he, Nick Richards has a lot to offer this Kentucky team, um, but it's all between the ears for him. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy that had 19 rebounds in the second game of the season this past year. Um, you're talking about a guy that had, I think, five blocks in like 10 minutes against Kansas. Um, and then a guy that put up 25 and 15 against uh, I was I was there for that game, Fort Wayne. Now, I mean, again, it was Fort Wayne, but th- the fact that he even has the ability to do such is telling that the talent is there. So then E.J. Montgomery. This was the one that I didn't really know about. Now, when he first declared for the draft, I was like, all right, it seems like Kentucky avoided losing him to transfer. I think that that's a good sign. I think he'll eventually come back. And as the process waned on and just kind of went on, it then all of a sudden, uh, it didn't seem so much of a lock that he was coming back. And it especially got important when Jaden McDaniels picked Washington over Kentucky. Then it's like, okay, Kentucky needs to get E.J. Montgomery back. And then there's a report that Tony Delk believes that he's staying in the draft the weekend, or I guess, you know, the weekend prior to the deadline. And maybe he got a second-round guarantee, which he had been looking for. But So ultimately, he elects to come back, and I think this is massive for both him and Kentucky. I think it's massive for him because you saw what Kentucky did with P.J. Washington and how they transformed him from a good player to a great player, college player. And I think E.J. Montgomery... I think E.J. Montgomery has even more talent than P.J. Washington did. Now, I think P.J. Washington was more physically mature, maybe more skilled. Um, but I think E.J. Montgomery might have more natural talent. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was ranked ninth overall in 24-7 composite, sixth in the industry, in the 24-7 in-house rankings, ahead of Zion Williamson, which was obviously a mistake, but still. I don't – Evan Daniels there at 24-7, he doesn't <laughs> – he wouldn't rank that if he thought that it was total bogus. I mean, there, there, I think there was definitely uh, – there was a reason for that. And, I mean, it didn't – obviously wasn't right, but that, that's still – I mean, sixth over – I mean, top power forward. I mean, P.J. Washington, I was looking at him at 24 – he was like 15. I mean, he, he was like a quite a bit – Spots or quite a few spots below where EJ was in class of 2018. EJ was the highest ranked recruit Kentucky had last year coming into the season. So I, I think the talent is obviously there. Again, for him, I think it's just adjusting his speed. He looked like he just looked rushed a lot last year on the court. But man, when he like settled down and got it together, terrific. And I think rebounding and in, in, in shot blocking, he was way ahead where of where would have thought for uh you know from where he's at so i think he he has immense potential could have a great second year stretch the floor a little bit because he was a really good jump shooter in uh 
in high school, and then it didn't, didn't really pan out last year. But he showed flashes of that jumper being smooth. <clears throat> now, I, it's hard to say because, P, I mean, P.J. averaged like 10 points as a freshman. Had a, I mean, and you saw him beasting out in that final game against Kansas State. E.J. Montgomery really wasn't that quite put together last year. So, I, I, you know, to go from where P.J. went to freshman, sophomore year, I don't know if it's fair to expect that from E.J., but he, I, think he has the, I think he absolutely has the talent to do so. Again, it's about making the jump, um, and that's big. And then for Kentucky, I mean, that, that penciled them in. Uh, I, I am the number two as a result of that decision. And then you get Hagens, Montgomery, Richards, and Quickly back. Four guys that played meaningful min- minutes uh, in the tournament. You know, you got a junior, Nick, you know, and then and you have Nate Sistine coming in. You have five dudes that have played in the NCAA tournament, you know, veterans on, on the squad. That That's massive. And then, again, you get, <clears throat> I mean, E.J. Montgomery and Ashton Hagens were the top two recruits, their top two ranked players in Kentucky's 2018 class. And they get them both back a second year. That That is massive. I mean, that that does not happen. Um, in Kentucky, one of the massive winners of the deadline. Usually they're the ones that are losing dudes that shouldn't go pro. Jared Vanderbilt, you know. Now, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt got guaranteed money, but second-round pick. I mean, Hami, losing Hamidou Diallo. Uh, Winion Gabriel, he didn't get drafted. Isaiah Briscoe the year before. So, Kentucky returns a lot of good players. I, again, it, remain, it remains to be seen. I'm not going to say, oh, this team's going to win it all. I mean, But I think they absolutely have a good squad. Cal is a good squad, and we'll have to see what happens. Uh, and if they add Kerry Blackshear, I'll probably put him number one because Kerry Blackshear is a true difference maker at the center position. <clears throat> Duke didn't have two, you know, any huge deadline decisions. Their, their, their starting lineup is pretty locked in. I mean, the biggest one, obviously, was Trey Jones, and that was back a month ago. Um, you know, much like, you know, Kentucky and Duke got their got their five-star point guard from, you know, freshman point guard back, you know, immediately following uh, the, the end of the season. So that was big for both programs. So they didn't really have any massive decisions. Um, and, I, you know, you know, getting, getting Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt, that kind of locked in their starting five. I, I have a Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley, Wendell, Moore, Matthew Hurt, Vernon Carey Jr. I would be shocked if it's anything except for that as their starting lineup. I think that's that's a pretty good bet. Um, I, you know, I, I worry a little bit about Duke as far as, like, go-to scoring from the wings and from the guards because obviously they had three dudes that just go, that could just go get you a bucket and Barrett, Reddish, and, and Williamson last year. Uh, you know, Trey Jones got to improve his shooting. You know, Cassius Stanley, I, I haven't really gotten to watch a whole lot of him, but he could he could end up being I, – I think he's a sneaky bet to lead the team in scoring from the backcourt. Um, I, I think Vernon Carey will lead the team in scoring. Their front court, I mean, Hurt and Carey will be terrific, but um, you got to have a dude in the back end that can go get you a bucket. I mean, that was Kentucky's problem last year. They had, they had the best front court in, in the sport, but – if Tyler Hero wasn't hitting shots, it and you know it it just was tough for that team to go get a bucket, because you know Hagen's is still very raw offensively. Keldon Johnson was up and down, and again couldn't you know. 
I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go on a soapbox here. But, you know, that's, I, I think, you know, for Duke's got to find someone that can go get you a bucket from the backcourt. And if they do that, then they're, you know, I'm third right now. That, that could even, they could be underranked in that respect. Only two decisions they had that were, um, came down to the wire uh, was Marquise Bolden and Javin Delorier. Delorier uh, came back, Bolden going pro. I think I mentioned that last podcast that I, I expected – I, I, with it was an educated guess. I didn't have any, obviously, didn't have any insider info on this, but I figured Bolden would get would stay in the draft and Delorier uh, come back. And with Bolden, I mean, there's not much of a draft stock. Um, he kind of blew that when he came back for a sophomore year. He would have got drafted in the 2017 draft, probably early second round, uh, definitely in the second round. Uh, and you know has been overshadowed by Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley, and then last year you had Williamson and Barrett. You know taking as all the, the shots they did wasn't a lot of ball going around, so that didn't really surprise me. Marquise Bolden staying in the draft and Delorier coming back. Delorier gonna play a pretty important role. I mean that's gonna be your your, your kind of your springboard off the bench first dude um, that. K will get up if if uh, Carrier hurt, <clears throat> gets two fouls, pretty important. You know they have O'Connell coming back, Joey Baker. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, you know with Duke how that shakes out, but they definitely have. You know I, again their bench, I, I'm a little little worried about it. I mean Joey Baker don't really know much about him because he only played about eight minutes last year. O'Connell showed flashes. He was really hit or miss most games. And Deloria, I mean, he's going to get he, – he'll be solid. He'll give you, you know, eight points, eight boards a game, and, you know, a little bit of rim protection. But still, I mean – but this was a concern I had for Duke last year with their bench, and it didn't really matter. They were the top team in the country most of the year. But <clears throat> they need dudes that could be able to shoot. This could, this could be one of K's – you know, worst shooting teams. I mean, when you when you really think about it, I mean, Hurt will be able to stretch the floor, but Trey Jones, what was he, 22 percent or twenty nine percent? Not good. Cassius Stanley, not really known as a jump shooter coming out of high school. Wendell Moore, decent. You know, again, not like a three point specialist. You know, O'Connell is probably the best shooter on the team heading into November. So that'll be something to look for at Duke. Uh, but they didn't shoot the ball great last year. I mean, they didn't win it all, but still, number one overall seed. <clears throat> Louisville. How about Louisville? After two pretty miserable years, NIT and then losing to Minnesota in the first round, a team that was, what did they average, about four or five three-point makes, hit like 10 or 12. Um, so pretty, been a pretty rough year. <clears throat> or a pretty rough time, really, since the FBI thing came out. But now they're starting to catch a break. Chris Max got the recruiting rolling, obviously. Brought brought in a really, a really good class. And Jordan War came back. I didn't expect that. I figured War uh, would uh, would stay in the draft, like I kind of figured EJ would. But he comes back. Will be the focal point of the team. And you know, War again respect. Like I mean, a guy that was a borderline first round pick would have been picked in that 20 to 40 range, very well could have been picked in the first round. He came back and tried to be probably a lottery pick or a top 20 pick. I, you know, I don't know if that will happen, but he shows, I mean, he's a very good scorer. He's a very good shooter. Uh, he's a big body, can rebound. Uh, definitely has a, a lot of talent. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, Samuel Williamson, 
very well could lead the team in scoring. I mean, War would be the bet, but I, Williamson would be number two. Um, but yeah, Louisville, big draft day winner or draft or draft deadline winner, excuse me. Um, I have them at four. Um, not a whole lot to pick apart with them. I mean, I think Williamson and War are going to be the two go-to guys that get you buckets. But now, who else is going to step up, right? I mean, you got this guy, Lamar Fresh Kimball from, I think he was from either Temple or St. Joe's, one of the two. I think he averaged 15 a game there. He's not going to average 15 a game in Louisville because there's other guys. There's just more options. He won't have to have that scoring load. Uh, Dwayne Sutton was obviously, he was hit or miss. I mean, some games he was hitting threes, and it was, it, and that made Louisville uh, pretty tough to defend. And there's other games where he kind of would disappear. Stephen Enoch coming back. I mean, he's a he, you know, big body down low. I think, you know, they're going to need to get some emergence from from the bench. We'll see how the freshman, you know, Aiden Iggyhan, obviously, um, the Irish Hulk, but is he that good at basketball right now? We'll see. Um, how much is David Johnson going to give you off the bench immediately? Josh Nickelberry, who I think was like one of the top high school or North Carolina high school basketball scorers like in the state's history. What does he give you? Malik Williams, you know, been two years of pretty blah. What does he give you in year three? Uh, Ryan McMahon, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get threes. You're gonna, and if he's hitting them, you got to keep him in the game. If he's not, you can't play him. And Darius Perry, kind of been a disappointment uh, in his card career. Um, and kind of lost the starting job when you think. I mean, Mack went out and got a grad transfer instead of giving him the range to the, to the point guard position. We'll see what happens with Darius Perry. Uh, going forward, coming off the bench, see how that happens. Maryland, another pretty big winner. Now, they did lose Bruno Fernando, and that was a tough loss. But Jalen Smith, or Jalen Hill, excuse me, not Jalen. I think it is Jalen Smith. I misspelled his name. Give me a second here. I'm going to fact check that because I believe his name is Jordan S- or Jalen Smith. I don't want to be incorrect about that. Jalen Smith, yeah, I put Jalen Hill. Jalen Hill is a power forward for the UCLA Bruins. I don't know why I did that, um, but sorry about that. So, anyway, Jalen Smith doesn't even test the process to get him back, and then Anthony Cowan comes back. Now, we've been here before with Maryland. 2015-16 season, they were one of the top-ranked teams. Remember, they had Diamond Stone. Uh, Melo Trimble came back. Rashid Suleiman uh, transferred. They were supposed to be really good, and they went to the Sweet 16, and they, they were ranked like a top five preseason team, and, and they did all right. Like, they they were, they didn't win the Big Ten, I forget what, they, they finished probably, you know, three to five in the Big Ten, made the tournament, got to the Sweet 16, and then got bludgeoned by Kansas. Uh, so, Maryland's had high expectations before, but on paper, this roster has a chance to be really, really good. Aaron Wiggins is a future NBA player. Daryl Morsell, very solid guard. Again, Anthony Cowan back for, I believe this is his senior year. Um, and Jalen Smith turned down probably a first-round pick to come back uh, to school. And Mark Turgeon put together a pretty solid recruiting class. Uh, but, Maryland, you know, with Anthony Cowan back, it, it Maryland, I have him at five. I think that's fair. They're really good. Kansas was very busy on draft deadline night. I mean, very very interesting decisions. 
So first off, they got Silvio D'Souza. This is kind of a side note. Silvio D'Souza was declared eligible by the NCA. He is eligible to play this year. I think he was in the draft, but he uh, he withdrew and came back to school as a result of that. So now you got again Yudoka Azabuki comes back, Silvio D'Souza comes back. All of a sudden, Kansas might have something. Um, you know, you got uh, you know Bocci coming back, talented wing. Marcus Garrett coming back for, I believe, his senior year. David McCormick made definitely made strides at the end of last season. We'll be back for a sophomore year. All of a sudden, Kansas went from being potentially a disaster. They were a disaster at the end of last year, and this team had potential to be really, like, it could have been gotten ugly quick, but they ended up weathering the storm. And <clears throat> they... They got some key returnees. Devin Dotson elects to come back. Quentin Grimes, it was announced that he was he was coming back. So it looked like Kansas was about to get Devin Dotson and Quentin Grimes back, and then all of a sudden the celebration Lawrence starts. And then about 30 minutes later, Quentin Grimes is reported Quentin Grimes is in the, is intending to transfer. And that's a shocker. I mean, that that was that was very surprising. You don't see dudes normally dudes like that if they leave their respective school. I mean, Quentin Grimes, top ten recruit coming out of high school, guys like that, they they go pro. They don't transfer. That normally does not happen. A bona fide, you know, McDonald's All American top ten recruit. So that very interesting decision. But Devin Dawson coming back. Yeah, I have Kansas at six. I think I like their starting lineup. How much is their bench going to add? They don't have. They don't really have any guard depth. Maybe look for Bill Self to go out and get himself a grad transfer guard uh, at this stage in the game. I want to mention something about R.J. Hampton real quick. I just kind of remembered that. So R.J. Hampton, because this reminds me of Kansas. R.J. Hampton. This was Tuesday before the deadline. Um, elected. To play overseas, announced he was playing overseas. Signed with the, was it the New Zealand Breakers? Um, foregoing and not playing college basketball. Uh, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Memphis were his final three schools. I mean, Kansas. It, he says in an interview it would have it would have been Kansas. I, if if Ashton Hagens hadn't come back to Kentucky, I think Kentucky very much would have been in contention. I think it would have been interesting. Would he have gone to Kentucky or the draft or or the Breakers? Pro. I think that's interesting. I don't know the answer to that, um, but I think it definitely begs the question, um, it, or definitely begs discussion. But yeah, I, I hear, hear people saying, <clears throat> "Oh, is this going to be a trend?" And the short answer is no. I mean, I, now I, I realize. So this has happened before, but I realize this is slightly different than when it's happened before. Emmanuel Moutier, Terrence Ferguson. Brian Bowen, some guys, but they had eligibility issues, whether it be with amateurism or um, academic eligibility. So this is a little different because R.J. Hampton was eligible to play college basketball. But do I? I mean, do, will this happen again? Yeah, probably. But is it going to be a norm? No. I mean, I, Darius Baisley did it last year. People kind of forget about Darius Baisley. I don't think he was acting. I don't think he had any eligibility concerns. He was going to Syracuse. He did it last year. It was was a top was a five-star recruit. I think 24-7 had him like in the top 10, their final rankings. He went overseas, and he's in the draft now, and 
he'll probably get picked, but in the late second round. Where at Syracuse, if he had, if he, or actually, I think he was, or yeah, he was going to, um, basically was going to go through the G League route, then opted out of doing that, and then went overseas to point and play. So, <clears throat> I think it'll be interesting how it works out for Hampton. I think he'll be fine, but I agree that like it does. I don't think it really helps his case. I mean, he's gonna be there only a year. Um, and no one's going to watch. I mean, people will know who he is. and But I think, you know, is this going to, like, help? Is this going to make him a better pro prospect? No. I think he was – he could have sat out last year and still would have, you know, been right around. He, he's a, a very, very talented point guard. I mean, he's, he's going to be really good regardless. But I think it's an interesting decision. Um, but as far as a trend, I mean, maybe, again, maybe it does. I just, as of right now, I don't know of guys that are looking, uh, a lot of the top guys in other classes are looking to do this. It seems to be more of an R.J. Hampton thing than, oh, this is going to happen for across the recruiting rankings. I, I, don't, I don't know about that, uh, but, but we shall see uh, regardless. All right, Gonzaga, they had a big... Big announcement, Gillian Tilly coming back. I did not think that was going to happen. I figured he was going to go pro, had injury problems all of last year, uh, really never got in the flow of it. Um, shot the ball really well when he did, when he was out there, but it was kind of, you know, I think because he got hurt, came back, got hurt again, and then he came back, and I mean, but with Rui, you know, Hashimura and Brandon Clark already very much established in that rotation, it was hard for... To, for for you to get him in, but now he he will be the feature uh, of the Gonzaga Bulldogs front court. Um, I think it's honestly I, I was surprised. I think it's a decent decision. Again, if he if he comes back, shows he can stretch the floor a little bit, can be a stretch floor or stretch four in the NBA. I, I think he's got some value. Had a chance of being drafted, was invited to the combine, um, but ultimately uh, I think he did not. I think he declined to. Uh, work out, which I thought was interesting. So it's like, okay, we need to get promise. Uh, but yeah, Killian Tilly coming back to school. I think I was a pretty that I was that was pretty surprised about that one. But I, I think uh, definitely has a chance. Seton Hall, how about Seton Hall getting Miles Powell back? You talk about one of my favorite teams from last year. They they were a blast to watch. You don't get to watch Seton Hall last year. You, you pretty much it's the same team as last year, except they lose Michael Nezzi. They don't. They didn't really, or I don't. I don't know how you pronounce that. But anyway, they, they only lose one starter from last year. It's pretty much the same team. They get Miles Powell back. Who I mean, if you if you didn't get a chance to watch that Wofford Seton Hall first round game, it was late. It was like the last game to go final on Thursday. It was a late one. Um, that was one of the better games of the tournament that really kind of didn't matter because neither team advanced past the second round. But anyway, like, Miles Powell was about to burn down the entire city of Jacksonville. I mean, Walford was up by, like, 16 or something at halftime. Seton Hall came all the way back, had the lead, and then they kind of fell apart late. Um, But, man, Seton Hall all of a sudden goes from a team last year who I don't think I had in the top 50. I didn't think was going to be any good. And then this year, okay, they beat Kentucky and MSG. That got my attention. 
And then they made the tournament. I again, that was a major surprise. And now get their entire roster back. I, I think Seton Hall absolutely has the chops to be the best team in the Big East. Um, it'll be interesting. See what happens with it. You know, I, I think what do I have? I have Villanova at twelve, Seton Hall at eight. So a very big decision for Miles Powell and Seton Hall him coming back um, because I mean you're talking about I, I think it has a potential to be a first team All American the way that he can put the ball in the hoop. He, he is a Extremely talented player. So you got North Carolina. They didn't really have any big time decisions because you know you had Williams, Luke May, Kenny Williams, Luke May, Cameron Johnson all graduate. Nas, little Colby White go pro. That was not a surprise. See, not much, not really much from North Carolina. Not really a winner or a loser uh, because they didn't lose anyone they shouldn't have lost. They didn't get any one back that they that they weren't expecting. But I, I have it nine. I think they're going to be pretty solid. Cole Anthony will be a star. Uh, you know they're they're gonna be terrific. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I had Texas Tech at ten. They didn't really have any big time decisions either. I mean, Jared Culver went pro, duh, because he's gonna be a top five pick almost certainly. But uh, yeah, I you know not much uh, going for uh, Texas Tech. They've had a busy spring with uh, grad transfers getting Chris Clark. I'll, and I'll preview later when we get close to the season. Obviously, I'll preview these teams um, individually. I'll, you know, I'll do like a top 25. But since the rosters aren't completely finalized, like, you know, and not that they ever truly are, guys transfer midseason and whatnot. But regardless, um, I, I won't go too much in depth on some of the teams that didn't have big-time decisions. Uh, Arizona, another one. I mean, they had Brandon Randolph stay in the draft. He didn't really make much of an impact at Arizona. I mean, I think he averaged like, what, 10 to 12 points last year. But with Nico Mannion coming in, Josh Green – Max Hazard. There's only so many spots for a guard to get on the floor. Um, so, you know, for him, it's kind of a head scratcher because I, I think, believe he was only, yeah, he was only a sophomore. Didn't have much of an impact. Almost certainly not to get drafted. Uh, read something that said that was one of the more, you know, that that was one of the more bad, poor decisions um, uh, of anyone in. Uh, that that anyone had made. So you got Vill. See Villanova, not a not a ton there. Um, the, Caleb Daniels, the guy that was transferring to Villanova, he he opted. Out. I think he's a two lane transfer. Opted coming back, but he's not eligible this year. Memphis got a little uh, little news with Ray John Tucker staying in the draft. I don't. I think there was like whispers that he wasn't academically eligible. Um, <clears throat> so Memphis could have had a chance to be like. Maybe the top team in the country if R.J. Hampton elects to go there and Ray John Tucker comes back. But there was already a lot of mouths to feed for uh, Memphis. I don't think it ha- – I mean, having Ray John Tucker would have been nice because I'm talking about a dude that averaged 20 points a game last year, veteran leadership, a guy that can really put the ball in the bucket. Memphis going to be young. I mean, right now this is the starting lineup I have. Boogie Ellis, Lester Quinones, Precious Achua, Lance Thomas, James Wiseman. That's four freshmen and I think a redshirt junior, a redshirt sophomore in Lance Thomas. Played one year at Louisville and then transferred to Seattle last year. So, I mean, you're talking about a team, and a team that lost a lot. I mean, Jeremiah Martin was one of the better players in the AAC last year. So, um, you get Tyler Harris out of Slomax back, but a pretty young group. 
uh, for Penny Hardaway. It'll be interesting to see how, how he gets that one to mesh. LSU, a big-time winner. So you lose Tremont Waters and Nas Reed. Yeah, it's a bummer, but ultimately, what would you expect? Tremont Waters went through the process last year, had a better year this year. That was, I don't think, too shocking. Nas Reed, um, I think, was always pretty dead set on being a one-and-done. You get Javante Smart back, who, I mean, <laughs> with all the um, stuff with the FBI scandal, with the Will Wade stuff, and, and him supposedly getting a strong, you know, you know what offer. That is, a, that was a pretty shocking decision for Javante Smart to come back to school, um, but but he's back. Skylar Mays comes back. Marlon Taylor came back. Emmett Williams came back. Darius Days came back. I mean, I remember I, when I was first drafting this top fifty, I had LSU in there, and then all the dudes were leaving, and I was like, well, I'm gonna have to take them out. Because they don't even have enough to field a team. And then Javante Smart comes back. <laughs> get Trendon Wofford in the fold. You get Emin Williams coming back. And then Skylar Mays, Marlon Taylor. And and now it's like this is a top 15 team. And I have them at 14. Again, bench is a little bit of an issue. But uh, they, they got some guys that I don't really know a whole lot about. I've never seen them play. Didn't play a whole lot last year because they were pretty deep last year. Uh, but should have a lot. I mean, you get Wofford, Williams, and Darius Days. You got one of the better – Back, uh, front courts in the SEC, and then Marlon Taylor was, I mean, terrific. Skylar Mays made that, you know, made pretty big shots for the Tigers, and Javante Smart was really, really good when Tremont Waters was out. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a dude that I think scored 29 against Tennessee. Uh, you know, that was pretty big time. Xavier was another uh, big time winner. Quentin Gooden, Paul Scruggs, Najee uh, Marshall. Tyree Jones all declared for the draft, all came back. So Xavier, who kind of came on at the end of last, uh, by the end of last season, um, I have in the top fifteen. I think they're gonna be terrific. Florida got Andrew Nimhard back. That was big for the Gators. They needed him in the fold. Um, they have one of the best backcourts, not only in the SEC but in the country. Nimhard, Noah Locke, Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann. And then Keontae Johnson, who more of a forward, will play some small ball four. I mean, Keontae Johnson at times was the best player on the team last year. Uh, but kind of shaky with the big guys, with their bigs. I mean, they got Omar Payne in the fold. Uh, Gorjak Gok comes back from a medical red shirt last year. Dante Bassett, you know, will be a has a year of experience under his belt. Isaiah Stokes was pretty good against Kentucky. I remember watching him. So there you go. Uh, Virginia, kind of a loser. Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, all staying in the draft. Wasn't surprised at all about that. I figured that would happen. I think some people were expecting Jerome and Kyle Guy to come back, and I was kind of like, why would they come back? Right? They both got better this year. They both improved their draft stock this year, and they just won a national championship. There's no reason for them to come back to school. Maybe, well, maybe later on to get their degree. But to play college basketball, no. Um, but I still think Virginia has a chance to be pretty good next year. Uh, are they going to be national champions? No, they're not going to repeat. But they got Mamadi Diakite back. So that at least makes them decent. It gives them a chance. K.E. Clark, second year. Casey Morsel, uh, you know. I know Tony Bennett doesn't love playing freshman, but I think he's going to have to with more. So we get Braxton Key, Diakite back, and Jay Huff. I think they absolutely have the chops to be a top-20 team with room for improvement. Ohio State got 
Caleb Wesson back again, a team that I didn't think was going to be very good last year. Started off great, kind of tailed off, uh, but won a tournament game. Get uh, DJ Carton coming back. I, I like Ohio State in the top 20. Washington, uh, they, didn't, they didn't really have any big-time decisions outside of Jaden McDaniels coming there. That, that was pretty big. Uh, Baylor, uh, I, I've seen Jeff Goodman has Baylor at 7. Rothstein has Baylor at seventeen or uh, 13. I have Baylor at 20. They returned most of what they had last year, um, and they also had injury troubles last year. Uh, you're talking about a tournament team. we got a team that won a game in the tournament, um, but Scott Drew will return most of his team what should be one of the Big 12's better teams. Utah State got Nemus Queda. That's what I'm going to say. Nemus Nemius Queda uh, back. He was their center last year. I have Utah State 21st. They should be much, or they should be uh, the, the class of the Mountain West again. Auburn was sort of a loser. Um, losing Chuma Okiki, Jared Harper, and Bryce Brown. That's that's tough. And Bryce Brown, Malik Dunbar, Horace Spencer all graduated. You're going to lose that anyway. But, you know, Okiki, I, I think. I think he made the right choice. When you tear your ACL like that, if he came back, didn't play well, wouldn't have been picked ever. Um, dude that would have been picked in the first round had he not torn his ACL. And then I, I think Jared Harper, uh, you know, again, we'll see if he gets drafted. I think he was a, he, he stood out in some of the uh, the combine five-on-five five stuff. I mean, he's really good. I, I, I can't blame him for going pro after his junior year. Um but Javon McCormick will have to step up, have a bigger role, the junior college transfer, who's good in limited minutes last year. Um, Isaac Okoro will start. They, got, they still get Samir Dottie back, uh, Daniel Purefour, Anthony McAlmore, who, again, I, like I said, wrecked Kentucky in that second half um, on the block. And Austin Wiley's back. So I, I think you know Auburn still has the chops to be a top 25 team, but definitely going to take a little bit of a step back. Davidson got Kellen Grady and John Axel Goodmanson back, which means I have them in the top 25. And let's see some other big decisions. Uh, I guess with Creighton, they got Davion Mintz back. That was big. But they lost Martin... Oof, that's a name. I'm going to say Crample. That's certainly not how it's... Uh, spelled or, or pronounced but I'm going to go with that but either way he was their big man last year he he is elected to to, to go pro I, I have Creighton 27 they would have been a top 25 team for me had he elected to come back alright we'll talk more about some of these other teams like I said I mean Michigan big loser losing Brad Stegas and Poole they, again they go from a top 10 team to 33 for me <clears throat> Old Missile winner. They got Brian Tyree and Devontae Schuler back. I have them at 36. Maybe a little low uh, with the, you know, Blake Henson, KJ Buffin coming back, Kadeem Sai, the one of the top junior college centers uh, coming back as well. That That's that's uh, a big decision for them. Kind of thing. Iowa, a team that very well could have been in the top 25. Um, I have them at 39. Bo, Jordan Bohannon is hurt right now. That that was that was a tough one, and then Tyler Cook stayed in the draft. Isaiah Moss graduated, transferred. That that was a, that kind of hampered uh, their ranking a little bit. And Oregon was a big loser, losing Lewis King, Kenny Wooten, and Bull Bull. Hoping to get Lewis King and Kenny Wooten back, they would have been a top fifteen team probably. Um, so that that was pretty unfortunate. And then, like I said, with Houston losing, um, 
Armani Brooks, I have them outside the top 40 as a result of that. That that's that's probably to the extent we'll go with that. So there you go. <clears throat> I guess some of the another decision I want to talk about is Kerry Blackshear because that's a big one. So he was going to stay. It looked like all signs pointed to him staying in the draft, and he ends up withdrawing. And why is that big? Because that could change the entire landscape. I think the three it'll be is Kentucky, Florida, and AM. I think he's going to stay in the SEC. Now maybe again. A&M, I don't know. Like, A&M isn't very good. They're not going to be very good next year. They, now, if he's there, they may be, you know, better than – but still tournament good? I don't know. I don't know. Now, Florida and Kentucky have a lot to gain if they get Kerry Blackshear. With, with you, if you're Kentucky, that's your, that's your missing piece. Not, not that there's really much of a missing piece on that team right now. They kind of got pretty much everything you want, but you know how it is with bigs. They get hurt. And Kentucky seems to get a big hurt every other year. It happens a lot. They've had a big hurt each of the last two years with um, Jared Vanderbilt, who essentially played power forward at Kentucky, and then obviously Reed Travis and P.J. Washington back-to-back. So you've got to have bodies. And they're, they're only three deep right now. You get Kerry Blackshear, not only is that insurance, but that's a – First team ACC caliber player, dude, that's done it, been there, done that. He averaged like 20 points against Duke last year. I mean, maybe the best player on the team at times. That's a big get. And then for Florida, I mean, you got everything but a big. There you go. I mean, there's your big, and all of a sudden, I'd put Florida in the top 10. I don't know where in the top 10 right now, but I would venture to say. Probably ahead of I'd probably put him eighth. I'd probably put him ahead of seat and all. So that's a big decision. Um, I think it'll come down to Florida and Kentucky ultimately. I think AM has a shot. I don't think anyone else though really has a shot outside of those three, and I think it'll come down to Florida and Kentucky. And it essentially is it do I want to be on the big stage or do I want to be, you know, close to home final year? That again, that's a decision. We'll see what happens with that. But I think that's a very, very, very big decision. And again, I'd put Kentucky at I'd move them up to one, and then I'd move Florida up to probably eight, seven or eight, um, if if he likes to. I might even move them ahead and Gonzaga. I mean, it, it, they they would be very much up there, uh, for sure. All right, I guess we can talk a little bit of recruiting before I sign off. We got about five, six minutes left. <clears throat> Talk about well, so obviously, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but Jaden McDaniels elected to play for Washington, picked Washington over Kentucky. I think that was a major, major decision for Washington. A team I, I have now, I have them at 19, and I think that that's definitely puts them up there, you know, with McDaniels. I think his best days will be in the NBA. I don't think you, I don't think the only year you're going to get Jaden McDaniels is going to you're going to get the Jaden McDaniels. But I think I mean a lot of potential, a lot of talent. I mean, a lot to work with. A, a good you'd rather have the piece than not. So for Kentucky, it was a bit of a blow, but softened with e, I, you know if you're Kentucky, would you rather have Jaden McDaniels or EJ Montgomery? EJ Montgomery. If you're Washington, you get you keep your five star forward home. 
And that was a big deal. You get him and Isaiah Stewart. And that that is massive. And I think Washington, you know, again, I think Arizona right now is, is the team to beat in the Pac-12. But I think Washington too far behind, you know. And I think if Oregon can add some pieces, they'll be solid too. I don't, I, you know, I, they're losing a lot, but I, I think it, for, from a team that was a 12th seed and wasn't very good most of the year. But it is Oregon. Dana Adelman knows how to get that team whipped into shape when needed be. So I think that'll be an interesting uh, development in the Pac-12. Uh, let's talk about some transfers news. Uh, Javon Quinterly. How, how about Alabama? You know, Nate Oates came in there. Kind of had to put out a fire. Got Petty and Kyra Luz to come back. Then brings in Javon Quinterly. We'll try to apply for a waiver to get eligible immediately. That, I mean, Alabama, I don't know, Jeff Goodman has him in the top 25. I think he, his top 25 has him at, uh, I believe, 17. Where do I have him? Let me see. I have him at 30. That may be too low, to be honest. Um, I still have some, I have some questions. I mean, they're young, and I have some questions about their front court. But, I mean, they should be one of the better teams. I haven't had Tennessee, which, oh, that's another team I didn't mention as far as the draft decisions. Um, losing Jordan Bone, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Kyle Alexander. I think Tennessee will be in the tournament next year just because they got Turner, Lamonte Turner back. They got Jordan Bowden back. Josiah James coming in. Fulkerson gave him some good bench minutes last year. But, I mean, you're losing your four best players. I mean, well, three three best players. Bowen, Williams, and Schofield. And then Alexander, another key piece. You know, you get Bowden and Turner back, but that, that's that's a tough loss. Um, but it, but I, I have Alabama ahead of Tennessee right now. You know, getting Javon Quinterly in the fold, that, that's a big one. And even if he doesn't get the waiver, I mean, you're going to have him for next year. Kyra Lewis very well could go to the NBA after that. So that's, that's a big-time decision. And like I mentioned with Texas Tech, they've been hitting the the grad transfer route hard. They got Chris Clark, the transfer from Virginia Tech. That was a really good pickup for uh, Chris Beard. And I'm at ten because like I, I don't like love the roster. I don't think it's bad. I think it's very much a a solid roster. But I trust in Chris Beard, man. I didn't think the roster last year was all that great after losing their whole team, and they end up in the in the final game of the season. So it's hard for me to discount what, what what he's been able to do there. Um, so I, I think that's absolutely um, uh, worth keeping an eye on. So let's see. All right, I think that, uh, that'll about wrap it up for this edition of the Posting Up Podcast. I, I honestly don't know when I'm going to do another one. I might do like a recruiting one. Um, that'll be fun. Um, so we'll see. Couple of, I guess a couple other decisions I didn't really get to mention. Jalen LeCue going straight from high school to the pros was good, was committed to NC State. And then Charles Bassey. So it wasn't just Kentucky and Louisville being the beneficiaries of the draft deadline, being winners. WKU went from – and they, they're having transfer, transfer, transfer. And then now, boom, you get Charles Bassey back. They brought in uh, Kenny Cooper and uh, Cameron Justice. Looks like Rick Stansberry's got that team locked and loaded – uh, for a CUSA run next year. Charles Bassey, I mean, five-star guy coming back to Western Kentucky, pretty shocking result. Anyway, all right. Thank you all for tuning in. I will try to – yeah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do one next, but obviously, you know, it's kind of a dead period. I might do recruiting one. We'll see uh, in the summer. But I'll, you know, 
back October-ish, we'll start getting into previews. We'll start talking some college basketball. I'm excited for it. But thank you all for listening. Again, subscribe, rate, listen. Let me know if you need or let me know if you want something else talked about. Uh, give me feedback. Uh, but, yeah, thank you all for listening, and uh, have enjoy your summer.